I kicked this uh, Vessels series off on Ash Wednesday. Hard to imagine that we've already arrived at the end of this little journey we've been on together this evening. Uh, if you were not with us on that day, you have no doubt by now heard that uh, we had a special guest who happened to be my brother-in-law, Peter, who set up a pottery wheel right up here next to our altar and as the service progressed and we unfolded the uh, theme of our Lenten services for these Wednesdays, Peter was throwing five vessels corresponding uh, to the theme that we would pursue. Um, needless to say, Peter is a gifted guy. I mean, particularly gifted. He's one of those people who, if something breaks in the house, if it's to do with plumbing or HVAC or a window starts leaking and needs replacing, he just figures out how to do it. Uh, long after I've already called somebody to come and, and do it, right? I mean, uh, small engines. Our family has all kinds of dirt bikes and scooters and outboards, and Peter's the guy who can take them apart and tinker with them and get them running again. He, he's a, he's a He's a good singer, a really lovely singer. Sings in the choir at their church. In fact, Peter sang at our wedding uh, some 25 years ago. Artistically, clearly he's gifted, but beyond just uh, being able to do uh, pottery, uh, Peter's really a gifted drawer. He, he, he's a sculptor. Uh, he's a painter. Uh, he's, he's got many gifts. Uh, Peter, since he's not here, is also more than just a little bit goofy. Uh, and this is widely celebrated among our family. It is no secret. Uh, there are some favorite sort of Peter incidents that are retold. Uh, one that comes to mind is when he had the flu, apparently, and uh, he was all wrapped up and suffering on the couch in the living room. My sister Jody said she could hear from the kitchen Peter in there on the couch saying aloud, Oh, Pete. Oh, Pete. I mean, <laughs> who does that? <laughs> um, I remember a video clip once we were all together for Christmas or something watching some kind of, you know, video with all the family up at the lake. And you know, Peter was in the shallows there, not, it wasn't much above his knees, maybe up to his thighs. And in the video, Peter suddenly just dives into the, into the water. And then when he comes up, blood is running down from his forehead, uh, because, you know, it was really shallow. What were you thinking, Peter? But these, I mean, there's lists of these. Peter is very gifted. He's also a little bit goofy. Nobody would uh, debate me on that in my family. Um, tonight's vessel, our final one, is is the heart. Uh, and something else that you uh, should know about Peter, my brother-in-law, is that he has a broken heart. I will tell you a little bit more about that in a moment. As we uh, began down this road, Natalia spoke about the bowl. And I asked uh, each of the staff to give me just a couple of sentences from their meditation. And Natalia had said, shared with us, bowls are just a vessel. 
Jesus uses ordinary things to remind us what God can do with ordinary things. And the same is said of us. What we fill ourselves with matters, Natalia said, and what we do with what is in us matters too. You might not think you're all that special. In fact, you might think you're more blue plastic bowl than Waterford crystal. But God has named you and claimed you and filled you with the Holy Spirit in order that your whole life might be sacred. In order that you might be able to see what God can do with ordinary things. And then Brent spoke of the cup. Filled, poured out, refilled, repeat. A cup, Brent said, is not made for storage. You bear the fingerprints of the potter and you are filled with everything God has to offer. Christ, not because you are worthy or obtained it in some way, but because it was given for you. Not only that, but it was also given for you to give to others. A cup is not made for storage. Only once, Brent recalled from our Ash Wednesday service, has the cup, the chalice, been lifted by one worthy enough to do so. Only once. Nonetheless, we have been entrusted with the privilege of offering this gift, the gift of communion, of community, to others. Katie spoke of the plate. When our life plates, our food plates are overflowing, she said, what do our spiritual plates look like? Are they full or do we need to be reminded of the bread of life and take comfort in that it is for all of us? On days when we feel the most common, Katie said, like a plain white Corel plate, remember that you are loved, you are special, you are fed. And last week, Nate spoke of the jar or the jug. He said God redeems our faults and failures, mends our broken and shattered pieces, and raises us to new life. Jesus has come to offer us change, a hope. Jesus transforms what we have dismissed as complete disaster into a reason to keep the party going. The same God who turned water to wine, Nate said, and prolonged the party is the one who is transforming you and me and filling us up to the brim. So much so that we cannot contain all of it and we simply overflow. And that is worth celebrating. So it has been a blessing. And tonight we arrive at our fifth vessel the heart. Since around the time of the Reformation, I shared with us in a summary on Ash Wednesday, uh, which also happened to have been Valentine's Day, if you remember back, I said the heart has been romanticized along with the, uh, as being a symbol for romantic love. But I think the heart still also serves as a metaphor to point us to a deeper truth. And the Bible speaks of the heart hundreds of times all throughout. The heart in the Bible believes. At times it trusts. At times it is deceitful. At other times said to be honest. 
The meaning varies, but heart generally in the Bible refers to some understanding of our truest selves. And so in this way, the heart represents us as people. That's why I didn't bring one with me as an example, because each of us is this vessel. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me, the psalmist sings. Those who chose to receive the ashes on Ash Wednesday heard the words, Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. That same evening we heard the body of Christ given for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. Uh, It was back on... April 22nd, 1998, when my brother-in-law's heart was broken, uh, Peter's little brother Patrick was killed that day. Uh, Patrick was a great kid, uh, always smiling, happy, positive. Uh, he served in the Air National Guard. He was first lieutenant, and he flew F-16s. His F-16 crashed during a bombing training run in New Mexico on that April day, 1998. Patrick was gifted like his big brother, Peter. His funeral was down in Waverly, at Waverly Lutheran, uh, where the family grew up. And after the funeral service inside that small country church, we made our way outside to the cemetery that sits there behind the church out in the farmland. And at a certain point in the committal service, a low roar could be heard in the distance until we began to be able to see four members of Patrick's squadron in F-16s flying low over the horizon until they came right over the cemetery there at Waverly Lutheran, and one of the four pilots took his jet vertical and disappeared into the clouds. And the other four, the other three continued on in the missing man formation in, in memory and honor of, of Patrick. And then with broken hearts, but with the gospel ringing in our ears even louder than that display of power in the fighter jets. We all went back inside, down into the church basement at Waverly Waverly Lutheran and sat on metal folding chairs and had ham sandwiches and various hot dishes. But you should have a look at Waverly Lutheran. I have a little video clip. They were featured in a thing done by the ELCA. Just give you a little taste. We as the ELCA are urban parishes, suburban parishes, small town parishes, rural parishes, but we are church together. I had a chance to visit Circle of Faith Parish in Welcome, Minnesota. Circle of Faith is three congregations joined together in shared ministry. One of those congregations is Waverly Lutheran. Waverly decided to reach out to a large city congregation to share their faith and farm life. They chose Gloria Day Lutheran in St. Paul, Minnesota. We took a moment 
few years ago at Waverly and kind of identified ourselves. Who are we? And one of the things that kept coming back is faith, family, and farming. Jesus' parables are so often with farming, and we so often have so much of our heritage is tied into farming and in this church. We have a way of sharing our faith stories, and it's by talking about farming. The partnership between Waverly Lutheran and Gloria Day began in the summer of 2011. Joe Robbie, who is one of the members of, of Waverly, came into my office as a complete stranger, sat down and said, Hi, I am here to talk to you about giving. I am here to give. And I was totally taken aback. She was taken aback and couldn't believe that a small rural parish would even consider partnering with an urban parish. This complete stranger came and said they had something to give the children of Gloria Day. What came out of this is something called Sowing Seeds. It's a program for Gloria Day second graders and their families. It teaches about God's creation, stewardship, and farm life. The program wraps up with a trip to Waverly for a harvest festival rich in faith, fun, and sprouting relationships. One of my favorite moments was the first year we did Harvest Homecoming and the bunch of kids got off the bus and we had a welcoming committee. There was a ewe and a lamb waiting for them right as soon as they got off. Looks on the children's faces when they got off and saw them and actually got to go up and touch them and pet them. It shows the gift of how we are all church together. The parents in this one family said to me, you know, it's really wonderful another congregation is giving us something. We're always being asked to give. Waverly really acted as the hands and the smiles and the feet and the care of Christ given to us. Natalia shared a bit on Sunday about the conference she attended again this year entitled Why Christian? where a very group of uh, leaders shared a version of their answer to that, quest- that question, why in this day and age, in this current time, in this current place where I am in my life, why do I stay engaged with this Christian faith and with this community of faith in Christ, the church? Is the church enough? It's a good question to meditate upon, perhaps as we come to the end of this Lenten season and approach Holy Week. Is the church really enough to address the devastating sadness each of us encounters in our lives? To speak to the darkness in this world, the brokenness, the violence, the hatred. Is the church Enough, our metal folding chairs and ham sandwiches in church basements, any match for all this brokenness? Is there enough to fill our broken hearts, our bowls, our cups, our plates? The truth is, we are always being mended by Christ in this community. And then filled back up and sent back out. So Peter came over here on Ash Wednesday and shared his gifts with us. 
And tonight he's probably over at Crown of Glory Lutheran Church in Chaska, either singing in the choir or there for their Lenten worship. And I'm guessing at Waverly Lutheran, they're gathered tonight probably for a Wednesday evening soup supper followed by a Lenten Vesper service of some sort. And you are here. Me too. And the gospel speaks. all the brokenness and mends our broken hearts and fills us back up and sends us back out. Is it enough? 